Do you love the vibe of small towns in the mountains where it almost seems like something supernatural and spooky is going on, but it's mostly just cozy and and familiar? Well, then you might love this game that we are talking about today on the RPG Goblin as I bring on Emily and we talk about a game called Over the Mountain, which is a solo TTRPG journaling game. You move to this small mountain town and you don't know anyone or you don't really know anything. And over the course of playing the game, you make journal entries where you meet NPCs and events happen and you go to new places and you slowly build this little community in town that was once nothing, but is now your own complete story with your character being the center of it. Over the Mountain is such an adorable game, and actually at the time of recording this intro, I've actually started my first day within this game, and it's been so fun setting up these world elements to tell my character's story through. Um, so I really hope that you consider getting this game by the end of this episode, but yeah. Let's get into it. All right. Uh, so welcome to today's episode of the RPG Goblin. I am your host, Willow, and we are going to be talking about a little solo RPG by the name of Over the Mountain. Now, before we get into introducing that and talking about that, uh, first, we have to introduce our guest. Emily, would you like to please introduce yourself very quick? Hi, I'm Emily. Um, I've, I've been here before, um, <laughs> a couple times. I don't know what, if you release these in the order that you record them. So that'll be fun if they, uh, <laughs> if that's I, I, I do. So you've been on here two times already. Okay. But okay. Good. Good. <laughs> you never All know. Right. Someone new always listens to a different episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, if this is your first time hearing one of our episodes that we've done together, I feel like you should go listen to the other two for continuity's sake. Um, <laughs> And also because we talked about some really fun and cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm Emily. I am also known as Paradise Made. I'm a dice maker and a digital artist. I primarily post on Instagram when I'm not taking a uh, <laughs> a necessary health break uh, like I am right now. I have been offline for months at this point so i don't know if anybody will even remember me the (laughs) the eldritch creature from beyond that i've become uh living in my little in my little social media list cave um yeah but i'm i'm around somewhere (laughs) and i will be i will be back so (laughs) forward to it (laughs) i feel like my intro just gets increasingly less like uh, understandable <laughs> each time i'm here one of i'm the now I'm an just, eldritch being <laughs> uh-huh, yeah i'm it's i'm just gonna get weirder every time we love it we absolutely <laughs> love it <laughs> thank you yeah so <laughs> um we were talking and uh i believe even in the last episode that you were on uh you mentioned a solo game that you recently got called over the mountain and so when we were talking uh a a few weeks ago uh we decided you know why not record an episode about that that seems really cool solo rpgs are really awesome uh there we actually have technically recorded a solo rpg uh before this however this one is different as it's actually a solo rpg that is also a journaling game which Mm -hmm. quite a lot of them are 
And I find it very fascinating. And if you would like to give a introduction of what Over the Mountain is about, please go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So its uh, subtitle is A Solo Rural Fantasy Journaling RPG. It's by March Crow Games, um, whose name I believe is Mars Corbeau, at least according to the PDF. Um, they, I found it on Itch.io. What was that? Uh, yes, I do believe that is their name. Okay, perfect. Um, I found it on Itch.io. I was actually looking for solo journaling games uh, after a campaign that I was in for a while ended in just the one of the most abysmal ways. And oh no. I know, I know, it was a whole mess. But unfortunately... Um, I'm not on good terms with the DM anymore. And so after that ended, I had it, our entire group invested a lot of time and creative energy into our characters and we wrote a ton and we actually hadn't played very many sessions, but we wrote hundreds of thousands of words as a group mm-hmm. and that was all lost when the game fell apart. Yeah. And so that, yeah, that hurts, right? Like all of that time, energy, everything that we had written together was gone primarily because none of us had thought to back it up because you don't expect that to just get disappeared out from, you know, cyberspace. But unfortunately, I've had that happen before where it, uh, the DM like deleted a Discord server or something that had everything on it. Yeah, that's ex- it's exactly that. So there's my word of warning. A side note for you: if you're if you're writing something and you are not the custodian of where it's kept, maybe just occasionally make a copy. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So part of that was um, I made this character. Her name was Jessrin, and she was married. And she and her wife, their story was very near and dear to me. And it hurt a lot for a lot of reasons when that game ended the way that it did. But one of Mm -hmm. the things that really nagged at me was the fact that I didn't get to give them a good story. I didn't get to give them a good ending. And honestly, a lot of their backstory was stuff that I wasn't happy with. Mm -hmm. Um. And so I decided that I wanted to explore ways that I could rewrite their backstory together and keeping sort of the the general main plot points of it the same, the things that I wanted to keep the same for mm-hmm. continuity um, and change the things that I didn't like about it um, and then move that forward and give them the ending that they deserved and also give myself closure for a game that ended very abruptly and unfortunately. So so yeah, it was rough. It's okay. It's it happens. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, um, it took a while to like, it's, it feels so weird because I'm one of those people where I'm like, one half of me is like it's a game it's not that deep but the other half of me is like I poured a lot of a lot of hours and a lot of creative energy and a lot of emotion into all of this and that's the really intimate thing about TTRPGs that I think a lot of people don't understand where when you're playing a video game you can to a degree make your own character or make the characters your 
own, but you don't have a hand in literally every facet of who they are. And you don't embody them in a way that you do when you're playing a TTRPG. So that was, it was a struggle for a little bit to kind of figure out how I wanted to move forward, if I wanted to move forward. And that was just sort of a sore spot for me. And I got to a point, I think last summer where I decided, okay, I'm, I'm in a place now where it doesn't hurt to think about how like the friendships around this game, well, one friendship um, around that game had ended and how that had sort of fallen apart and everything that came to pass after that didn't hurt anymore, but it was still nagging at me that I didn't have a solution for Jessrin and Keyleth, her name was at the time. Um, she was rolled on a random NPC name table. Don't, <laughs> it's not a critical <laughs> role reference. <laughs> I've like, at the time, I had never listened to Critical Role. If I can be 100% honest with you, I have, I tried really hard to listen to Campaign One and I, for a lot of reasons, really struggled to get through it. I have watched the TV show and really enjoy it, though it's much more digestible in that format. But that's yeah, definitely four four hour sessions versus like thirty minute episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I definitely get it. I I haven't uh, digested any like critical role um, media much myself because it, it does have a very it has a very certain entry point and it's being mm-hmm. able to sit through those long sessions and really I, I mean I I've heard very good things about how everyone plays and everything but. Ha- like really liking the play styles and loving the characters and all of that. And you get that emotional attachment, but definitely has a pretty high bar of entry. Yeah, exactly. If you ever want sort of a stepping stone, I highly recommend um, Exandria Unlimited Calamity. It's DM'd by Brennan Lee Mulligan, who is my (laughs) favorite. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, and it's the way it, they play it out is just gorgeous. I'm not going to go on about that because that's not what we're here to talk about today. But I, if I can recommend it, that's the only critical role thing I have consumed in its entirety. And I've watched it, I think, three times at this point. I love it so much. It's just like it's become a comfort thing for me, even though it is <laughs> terrifying in a lot of respects. There's so much happening, but I love it. Anyway, anyway, all of that is fine. I'll, yep. yeah, I'll get I will get to the point somehow someday um but i actually put out an ask sticker on one of my instagram stories because this was a time when i was actually active on instagram and people (laughs) would like correspond with me um and i just put out a, a question sticker that said hey this game ended um really poorly uh several months ago and i want to do something with these characters what have you guys done when you've experienced this if you have or what else would you recommend Mm -hmm. because i think everybody's gone through the thing of like a game you love ending right for various reasons and whether it is or isn't satisfying kind of depends on the nature of the ending and what you want for the character so a lot of the time people will put out a very like a very important character concept that they've spent time developing and that they are really invested in and then maybe they only get to play a session or two of that character or maybe the game never gets off the ground to begin with or maybe like mm-hmm. me it ends very abruptly um all of those things sort of um came out in the answers that I got in that question box and 
one of my favorite suggestions was to engage with solo journaling RPGs as a way to sort of take narrative control, but also have an element of a framework that I could work in and not have to write it from scratch. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that is hard too, is to just come up with something completely on your own. The collaborative beauty of D and D is that you get to work together and you don't have to produce all of that yourself. And there's definitely a different magic between, you know, writing your own story versus there being elements of uncertainty and other things coming in that you don't control. They're very different experiences. Yeah. Things that can surprise you that you wouldn't have thought of yourself. And that's one of the things that I'm most excited to talk about with this game is that it's gone in directions that i wouldn't expect honestly uh i'm really excited to tell you about them so over the mountain is one that i found while i was sort of scouring the internet looking for the right uh solo journal rpg to play to finish jesrin and keyleth's story um whether rewrite it entirely or carry it out i hadn't decided i still haven't honestly i haven't Mm -hmm. picked one yet that feels right for them But while I was looking, I found Over the Mountain, and it's free on Itch.io. I think you might be able to donate um, to March Crow's tip jar, if I'm recalling correctly. I've looked at so many that they all kind of... Okay, good, good, good. Um, So I highly recommend, because this is so much fun, and it's really beautiful in its simplicity, and I feel that it kind of walks the line of giving you just enough guidance without restricting you. Mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite things in an RPG. <laughs> good balance, a good balance of guidance and enough. Like that is the good thing um, about solo RPGs that at least that I've found is that quite a good amount of them have enough structure there to make you feel good going in. Mm-hmm. And then once you're in and you get used to using it, you can get more creative and lose some of the structure a little bit as you just decide you want to go a slightly different way. You can s- even introduce your own mechanics into the game itself, but you playing that first solo RPG and ha- it giving you the structure that you need, that you need gives it such an e- it makes it so easy to actually start the game and get into <laughs> it and feel comfortable. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I am excited to tell you about is how I've sort of adjusted some of the mechanics Ooh. myself to... <laughs> Just to fuck around a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I like to I like to sort of change and adjust things. Um, and I do I I can be very wordy when I write. I find it fun to sort of let let my writing follow whatever path it wants to take. I don't I don't really stick to a sort of like formula or anything. Like if I feel inspired to write a really long journal entry for one of these, I'll do it. So Mm -hmm. it's actually taking me a while um, because as I mentioned, I've had some health stuff. And so it's been really nice too, to be able to just work on this when I have a little bit of energy um, or when I'm having a good day, put it down and come back to it later when I'm feeling inspired and I want to write or I want to create or do something, but I maybe don't have the energy that it would take me to make dice or to draw something or to write something. 
knew I can return back to this game and know that I've already started a really long journal entry talking about one of my days or um, I can roll a new day and then have a framework to work with. And it kind of takes some of the mental stress away from writing a story, but it still has enough opening to like let you finagle the story yourself. Like <laughs> how you make all of these roles function into something cohesive, I think is the really fun and creatively challenging part, but it's mm-hmm. in a cool way. It's like doing Since a, that's doing completely up to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like um, to kind of cover the the general premise of the game, I think it's best exemplified in the character creation section, which is the very first section on the, if you read left to right, um, the top left of the first page of the little PDF, um, it asks questions about you, your character. Uh, so obviously I've only played this game through one time and I'm, I am six days in. So like I said, I write a lot. Um, I'm really slow at it, but I'm kind of, I'm trying not to rush. Also I'm trying to just, yeah, enjoy the process too, which is easier when you're doing something like this that is guided, but self-paced. Yeah. And it's actually solo RPGs are also a fantastic option if you have a really busy schedule and you enjoy TTRPGs, but like your life doesn't have the room mm-hmm. to to like fit in those sessions. Solo games are fantastic because you could play for 10 minutes and be done for the day. Yeah. Uh, you can play once a month. You can you can do it. You can control however much time you spend on this game and you don't have to worry about it working with other people in your schedule working with other people and all of that so if you have a busy life you should really look into solo rpgs Hey everyone, it is time for the midpoint break in today's episode. I really hope that you are enjoying it so far. If you are, please make sure to follow the RPG Goblin wherever you listen to your podcast uh, so that you can be reminded whenever there is a new episode which comes out weekly. And if you haven't yet, please make sure to give the RPG Goblin a rating wherever you listen to it. It really helps other people know that you're enjoying the show and it just makes me really happy to see. If you want more behind the scenes and knowing what's happening uh, with the RPG Goblin outside of the podcast, please make sure to follow me on social media as well. I mainly use threads and TikTok at the moment, which you can find me on both at the RPG Goblin. I like to spotlight a lot of games in much shorter videos there. I also like to show off what I'm reading and I like to talk about TTRPGs there. So join the conversation. Also, just as a reminder, the RPG Goblin does have a Patreon And if you would like to see this show continue and you like what we're doing here with introducing people to new TTRPGs, please make sure to go support it if you can. It's only $5 a month for the lowest tier, and that will get you access to the RPG Goblin Discord server along with monthly TTRPG parties where we will have guests, giveaways, and generally awesome TTRPG conversations since you can ask questions and yeah, just have a really good time. The first party is going to be at the end of February, and I'm really, really excited for it. So so if you want to know what that party is going to have in it, please make sure to follow the RPG Goblin on social media. Now, I appreciate all the support towards this show, whether it be through listening, following along with the podcast, or going and becoming a patron, it all means the world to me, and I want to thank you so, so very much. 
Yeah, I actually take mine to work with me um, every once in a while when I know like if the weather is going to be bad. I've been doing it a lot recently um, because Midwestern winter, I don't want to go outside. <laughs> um, I have no idea what you could be talking about. <laughs> uh-huh, it's a mystery. Well, yeah, you you don't know now. You're free of it. Um, but yeah, so it's it's miserable here sometimes in the winter and I have an hour for lunch in my day and sometimes it's a little too hectic and I'm tired and I just want to chill. I don't want to do anything that requires brain power, but other times I feel creative and I want to do something, especially sometimes to take my attention away from a screen uh, because I work, Mm -hmm. I work in uh, systems at a university. So that's a lot of my day is spent staring at my computer, manipulating reports and, and building reports and things like that. And so (laughs) having a a little while to just look away and something to do that also keeps me away from just staring at my phone, which is another smaller screen, Uh, (laughs) you know, and also to give myself a reprieve, right? This is just time with me and the dice and the game and And to have fun. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a nice sort of, oasis in the middle of the day when I take this to work on during my lunchtime and also it just looks like I'm writing in a journal maybe rolling <laughs> they, dice they would if never I take know. physical dice yeah <laughs> yeah unless they come and see my dumb little map that I drew uh, <laughs> but it'd be so cute. <laughs> uh it's, it's dorky I haven't filled it out yet um but anyway so yeah if you if you don't have a lot of time or if you struggle to sort of work games into your day or even if you just want something to do that takes you out of your real life for a little while that you can do in maybe 15 or 20 minute increments sometimes highly recommend so this game specifically um i i mentioned the character creation because i think all of the questions that are asked are very representative of the themes of the game overall and sort of what you're trying to accomplish in the game. Absolutely. Uh, so the first one, um, do you want to hear my character's answers? Yeah, if you want to if you want to say the question and then um, give your answer to it, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So the first one, why are you in the mountains? Uh, my character is in the mountains because her uncle passed away and bequeathed to her his cabin and oh, very stardew valley <laughs> yes exactly and all of the land that it's on um which is actually protected so i made up a fictional town and it's called valerian creek it is in tennessee it's in the appalachian oh. mountains yeah um and i i've driven through that area and i think it is absolutely gorgeous it's also a place where i can imagine just the weirdest shit happening (laughs) um so i really love twin peaks um and the Mm -hmm. x-files i watched the x-files growing up my mom would um be mortified to hear me admit that to (laughs) anybody um because she (laughs) i think she was worried about it but um yeah, when oh, I was no, a kid, it's I turned out okay. I'm a weird adult, but who isn't? Um, <laughs> so I grew up watching The X-Files. And then when I was in college, I watched the entirety of Twin Peaks for the first time. And that's just like that sort of brand of 
slightly unsettling. Like everybody's weird. Everybody's got secrets. Everybody's got something Mm -hmm. going on. That kind of media is really inspiring to me. And I think we've talked about that a little bit when we were talking about monster of the week. Yes. Um, Yeah. So that kind of the same feeling is what I want to evoke in my over the mountain game for myself that I do for my players when we do monster of the week. And the setting is different, right? My Monster of the Week setting is in rural Indiana, and uh, my Over the Mountain setting is in the mountains of Tennessee, (laughs) but generally still the same. So um, her uncle passed away and left her his cabin and all of the land that it's on, and it's actually a protected area of forest that he was the custodian of. So she has inherited that from him. Oh, Uh, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And then it says, what is your talent with a capital T? Um, And it does give (laughs) examples here too. If you have a hard time sort of conjuring up anything, or if you like having examples. Uh, So some talent examples are medium healer, Oracle, dot, dot, dot. It could be anything. (laughs) Um, My character is capable of psychometry, which is the sort of the brand of um, extrasensory perception where when you touch an object, you can read things that have happened to you. That's really fun. That's really, really cool. I've always found that fascinating. And yeah, I've so, I've watched some shows that have like that in it before. Yeah. And it's always it's always such an interesting part, especially when they touch on it and they actually like go through like, you know, what they feel and what what they see a little bit and mm-hmm. all of that. Always one of the most interesting parts. So that's insanely cool. Right. I thought so too. And I thought it would be interesting to kind of integrate that into this setting. Um and of course every character in over the mountain has to have a secret um of course so when it asks what is your secret my character's secret is actually based on something that uh, one of my former bosses said to me <laughs> um <laughs> so interesting <I've>, yeah <laughs> like I feel like I'm just meandering all over the place here, but this is, it's wacky. I don't know. This game, the way I have played it is entirely for me. So I've just incorporated a bunch of shit that I think is cool, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the whole point and something you're free <laughs> to do in a solo game because nobody's going to tell you game. no. Yeah. Nobody else. You get to control no everything. God, this is boring. I don't want to listen to the interaction with this NPC. I don't want to shop for items. <laughs> I don't care, right? Like, um, so I could just whatever, you know. And so the secret <laughs> that my character has um, relates to something that um, a librarian I worked for when I was in college told me um, is that she has this theory. Um, she believes in reincarnation and she has a theory that some people, when they are reincarnated into another person, their soul isn't always wiped completely clean of memory. Yeah. And so that's sort of her explanation for children that you meet who are like tiny 
adults, right? We weirdly mature um, that like start talking early. And I was, I was one of those kids. And I've also always had a really like inexplicable attachment to the French language. I was for a while, a French teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. and French was one of the things that I studied when I was in college. And I worked for her doing, um, some French language translation of historical documents from the 18th and 19th century. And that's really cool, by the way. It's, it was so much fun. I loved, I loved that job. Um, so yeah, there's your, there's my ad for you to pursue another language. Um, (laughs) It's, and so how did that tie in with the secret? So my character and her uncle are people who, when they are reincarnated, whatever process it is that we go through to have our souls wiped of our memories, it doesn't last for them. Ooh. And so they're capable of sort of as they grow up and get older as they mature they start remembering things from their past lives and so they have hundreds of years of history sort of accessible in their memory and of course they are still technically mortal right because they're mm-hmm. they're still living a life in a mortal body um Can still but die. <laughs> yeah they still will die eventually obviously as seen by her uncle um and they're also not actually related. Mm. They found each other um, because they were hired by the government to guard. Uh-huh. I know this is <laughs> this is my X Files. This is the X Files element of this. Um, they were hired by the government to basically guard and clear areas where the world gets a little thin and oh. other things start coming through oh gosh this is so cool this thank is you so cool thank you did, you. <laughs> you did such a, like already i'm invested um i know there's one more question left though i'm very curious before we get to that yeah. how much did you uh did you kind of go at e- each answer at a time and make a character like that? Or did you consider all of the questions and all of the answers at the same time and build up a story and a character around everything at the same time? I like personally, my approach to building characters in any system is always more holistic. Like I Mm -hmm. come up with the concept of the character and the most prevalent things about them. So like, to put it in D&D terms, before I pick their like race or their background, typically I start with the class that I want to play. Mm-hmm. And then I I look at sort of what archetypes I find interesting within that class and I expand from there. I make them more complicated, I add layers, I pick their race based not on the mechanical benefits usually, but um based on what I think would be interesting. Mm-hmm. to like mesh with that character and then I'll pick their background to sort of unite like the story of how a Goliath became a Tempest cleric right that's my <laughs> it's my first and longest running D&D character um I love that yeah thank you so for this one I I kind of stewed on it for a while um 
I came up with the answer why I was in the mountains first. So in that respect, like that was just the thing that sort of came to mind first, right? Like my character's uncle had died and I was taking over. And I knew from reading the game ahead of time, like looking at the PDF, I know there are spirits involved. Um, Some of the neighbors in the game are spirits. It's kind of a spoiler (laughs) for the rest of the episode. but um, And there are dungeons and things where you encounter minor and major threats. And so, you know, being a medium is naturally a very enticing option, but I kind of like the idea that the spirits choose who they want to see them. Mm-hmm. Right. I find that very appealing um, just as a sort of trope in occult fiction, right. Where it's like, there are some people who are born with the ability to see them or whatever, like that's fine. But I just generally prefer when it is up to the spirit, when they can be seen by whom, etc. And I like giving them that, agency and i also think it makes for some very interesting interactions because it really tells you who they choose to trust and even what kind of people they are because if they go right away with you being able to see them they might be they might not care as much or uh very outgoing and just want to like meet new people and things like that yeah that is very cool yeah and so Um, i kind of oh go ahead Oh, I was I was just gonna uh after you say whatever you're gonna say, uh the last question I'm very, very curious about your answer with. Yeah, so um to kind of like actually answer your previous question in a focused fashion, I consider <laughs> sort of the how I wanted to interact with the game. Mm-hmm. And so I knew like the reason I was there was because I was bequeathed this land and this cabin. Um And I just kind of decided that my character was going to be a bit of a loner, um, that she's on her own. She's the only person her uncle had. So she came here to take care of things. And then looking at this, I knew I didn't really want her to be a medium, but I wanted her to be somebody that these spirits would at some point and for whatever reason feel like appearing to Mm -hmm. and speaking with and, so then I kind of worked backwards. Um, I think I landed on the secret next um, of her sort of having the lasting memory and being recruited to do these things. And of course, like, you know, there's uh, there's of course the option for her and or her uncle to never alert the government that they've come back right because they mm-hmm. they can remember that they've been hired that they've done work for this particular sector of the government um before but they those two in particular feel called to do so that's their calling mm-hmm. is to mm-hmm. protect yeah because they which is the last question on exactly the board. <laughs> uh-huh. so not to um like not to necessarily hunt monsters, but to protect people and to protect spirits. Uh, Cause I saw that actually as one of the suggested 
options under what is your calling, earn respect, mm-hmm. save spirits, dot, 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 right? Some examples. And I thought that was very interesting, the idea that, you know, people in general tend to attribute a lot of malevolent things to spirits. <laughs> very true. Right? Like poltergeist, etc. cetera. Um, <laughs> the various like haunting movies and whatnot which are like fun to watch and stuff like scary ghosts hell yeah but i like the idea that the spirits aren't inherently malevolent um that most of them probably are just vibing (laughs) yeah honestly it just makes me think of a show um there's an american version as well but we've watched the british show called ghosts and it's Uh basically it's basically just ghosts throughout the centuries who have like died in this house they like they say they're 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 now yeah. ghosts and they're just like s- normal people and you know they're learning about things around them and it's honestly such a good show because it's so interesting to see spirits interact in a kind of wholesome and as as if they're people like they're not just a scary thing they are people they are they are the spirits of these people who have died and they get to still experience the world yeah exactly and that's like that's kind of what I what I like. I for this game specifically, I actually have ended up developing spirits to be like almost less human in a sense, but not in a in a malevolent way, right? They're kind of like they are the strongest remnants of whoever or whatever they were when they were alive. Mm-hmm. So kind of to tie it back into the idea that reincarnation is the sort of rule of this world instead of an afterlife, I like the idea of the spirits being the manifestation of what is left behind when the spirit passes, like when the soul passes and whatever they experienced in life is Ooh. sort of washed away. I think sometimes, at least in in the way I play this game, um, <laughs> That's what makes these spirits is that sort of collective energy from those experiences and maybe the strength of that person's particular convictions regarding something, you know, that gets wiped away when they get reincarnated and they start as a blank slate. But all that time, all that energy. Thank you. Like, seriously, like hearing all of this there's a character that now i want to like insert into this game and like make up like lore on how it would work and everything so like i'm i'm already like thinking in my mind like oh man it would be really cool to play this um this is just like my creative spiraling this is like none of that (laughs) a lot of that is not in over the mount i'm gonna put that caveat out there that's just me making shit up But it shows how flexible, even though this is like a two-page, two-page PDF, there a lot of what's here is mostly just like tables to roll on. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. You can make up whatever story, whatever lore, what the world is like. You can make that all up. It is all dependent on you and what you think is fun. And that's the cool thing with solo games is that you can change the way you play it to fit your style and your likes so like emily if you really like kind of that supernatural like secret element is secret element and all of that 
Insert it in your game. Have fun with it. Run with it. See what interesting things can happen. This game works very well with like Emily's aesthetic in those games. Uh. Um, but <laughs> you can you could even do that with other solo RPGs or even even other tabletop role playing games in general and see what happens. You know. So I just find this all super super inspiring to listen listen to. Mm, yay i hope you're not the only one because this is <laughs> it's genuinely so much fun to play and i would love to hear about other people sort of joining in and making their own towns over the mountain uh maybe we can all live in neighboring towns and talk <laughs> shit there is a there is a um an achievement there are some achievements that um march crow has incorporated into the game sort of at the end um of the last page and you can <laughs> It's just based on your positive interactions, right? I'm I'm mm-hmm. hoping that you're down to talk mechanics here in a minute, but oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. So there are like uh, interaction based achievements and things like that, and there's absolutely one. I'm trying to find where it is on here. Oh, oh, the rival <laughs> narrator. So narrative <laughs> achievements, right? These are things that are totally up to you to come up with, right? But one mm-hmm. of the narrative achievements is rival shit talk another town. So, if anybody if anybody makes a town in Over the Mountain, I need you to tell me the town and what it's like so I can shit talk it. <laughs> I want to I want to link our worlds together. Um, Let me talk shit. <laughs> yes, I just think it would be funny too to kind of have them have a little reference to somebody else's game of this in my own. Um, but. If you're down, uh, I actually am ready to start day six. Um, Yes. I can, uh, if you would like, I can give you sort of a brief overview of my previous five days, and then we can do day six together if you feel like it. Yeah, I think that would be a great, um, great intro into actually like playing the game in the process of starting it. So absolutely. Yay. All right. I'm going to give the disclaimer that I do play this on a, in a physical journal, um so there will be the sounds of me turning pages and things like that manipulating (laughs) the paper in my journal and whatnot so if that upsets you um if you don't like that sound this is this is my disclaimer right now that i'm about to be rustling around a whole bunch so (laughs) um i do you want to hear about like how i laid my journal out uh yeah sure because i know there are suggestions within the uh pdf itself on Mm -hmm. kind of uh different spreads you want to do uh with like locations and npcs so yeah absolutely yeah so i first i drew a little mountain um there is a and i actually did it by elevation as opposed to like north and south like whatever because it's it's up the mountain right so um Mm. the like high up on the mountain is a lake that feeds down into a river which splits triangles here with the lake up at the top um my house is i decided near a river uh near one of the rivers the like local westernmost branch of that river sort of right where it splits um and because of how i decided this land is going to be i know that i live in a cabin that is surrounded largely by woods so i figured that i live probably in a very unpopulated region and most of the town of valerian creek itself is sort of on the 
Eastern Triangle and the Southern Triangle. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it doesn't, I don't think it matters ultimately that much, but I did do a little map. Um, (laughs) Yeah, world building. Yeah. And then I have my list of locations. So the way I laid this out um, is I just took the list of locations that you roll on for the game and I put them in order with room for me to name them if it's the kind of place that would get a name. So like the first one, the gas station, I made room to name it, um, write three adjectives about it, and also track my encounters that I have there. So I'll get into that in a second, but it's actually only two lines because I came up with a symbology system. Um, <laughs> Cause I like, you have encounters at any place you go and you roll a D six to determine how well the encounter goes. A one being, very poorly a three being like mid like decently um i guess three or four being like mid or decent and then a six being like great you had a great time there um <laughs> and so fantastic yeah and then there are um different achievements you get based on the quality of your interactions right so for a certain excuse me a certain number of positive interactions which is a three or higher um you get to mark that and use that sort of as experience tracking almost. Uh, yeah, it's almost like it, it's almost uses experience in 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 that way if you want to kind of compare it to other games that are yeah. a bit more crunchy. Yeah, exactly. I said three or higher. Typically I rule it four, five, or six is a positive encounter. One, two, or three is uh not a positive encounter, right? Like, mm. you know, just however it goes. Um, oh yeah, I it's actually completely up to you. You just roll a d6, and it's one is poorly, six is perfect. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of room for interpreting your answers depending on the situation, which I really like. Yeah, exactly. So some of them are just middle of the road, right? Like nothing special, whatever. But others, you have a great time. Some you have a fucking awful time. <laughs> I don't track <laughs> negative encounters. Um, I write about them in my journal um but on my little locations page i don't bother tracking them because there's there's no metric for negative interaction right mm-hmm. like the game you gain experience or you get um achievements you get to get further by having positive interactions but it doesn't punish you for having a bad day which i think is so pretty neat so it's mostly just like if you want to keep track of it you can but it doesn't you know, kick you in the ass or anything if you... Exactly. Yeah, and I don't bother, like, I don't bother tracking them numerically because I don't need to count them for anything, but um, I have a system where I'll put a dot for a four or a five if I roll a four or five on my d6, and then if I roll a six, I consider that, like, a great... I had a great time at this place, um, and I'll put a little asterisk on it. So that's sort of my... My system. Yeah, it works out. Um, So, like, the first location is the gas station and i actually rolled this on my first day um (laughs) it's one of the first places that i went which makes sense (laughs) because if i mean anybody from a small town knows that the gas station is like pivotal um so i honestly i don't i have a really hard time naming things my character doesn't have a name I'm gonna be real with you. I write everything in first person. She doesn't need a name right now. I'll get to it eventually. Uh, <laughs> it'll be um, it'll be like a it'll be a build up and suspense to like the revealing of the name much yeah. later in the journal. <laughs> Maybe there isn't one. I don't know. Um, exactly. I feel like 
I want to draw. I want to draw her and I want to draw like her and her potential like love interests and things like that. Um, and like her <laughs> uncle and things like, I just think it would be cute. And so I'm like, I know eventually I'll have to, I'll have to name her before I share any of my drawings of her or whatever. But <laughs> I mean, maybe I think about, yeah, yeah exa- I mean, exactly. Um, she could always just be some sort of nameless legend. You don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll just name her legend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right on. That's it. That's her name. Her name is Legend. Legend. She doesn't like to talk about it because it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, her, her parents, parents had very high aspirations. Yeah. yeah. Her parents had really high aspirations for her and now she lives in the woods um, talking to ghosts and <laughs> getting she might paid be a, little a pittance by the ghost. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, we love this. Yeah. So I honestly like a lot of my names and stuff. Um, I will either pick the a super nondescript name because again, if you've been to a small town, you know sometimes they're just it's just labeled, right? Like there'll be a sign that says market. Gas. And you know it yeah, gas, <laughs> right? So um I was doing like a random uh I think I did a randomly generated gas station name and it was just called Quickie, which <laughs> is funny to me personally. <laughs> because i i'm lewd right (laughs) so i'm like ah nice um and then you you generate randomly um or you can choose right i think it's more fun to randomly generate it because i think like my character has shown up here she's blown in she's brought by necessity um Mm -hmm. i think i forgot to mention it but something i decided like with how her and her uncle's relationship sort of functions is that they're on a bit of an offset Um, in terms of their, like, reincarnation cycles. So he's, I don't think they know at this point who is older, really, like, who has been reincarnated more times or who was first. Um, Freaky. (laughs) Yeah, right? Wild. Like, you lose track, I I would think. Um, But at this point, he is, um, like, 40 years ahead of her, technically. Mm -hmm. So he was... um, 68 when he passed away very suddenly um and i haven't figured out yet how that happened or why um i don't know if she knows honestly Eh, that'll come Uh, later yeah exactly i kind of like yeah i like leaving it unwritten (laughs) exactly i like leaving openings for the story to surprise me um so she is 28 as i am like writing this that's how old i am so i was like (laughs) i can identify i get it i also want to run away into the woods and just get paid enough to live in the forest i guess um so yeah so that is sort of how they function and eventually her uncle air quotes will be reincarnated he will start to remember and he will come find her and at that point she will be older and she'll be able to help him remember as necessary, get him settled, things like that. And then probably they'll part ways so they can, like, while they're young, they try to give each other time to, like, live a life and that sort of thing. Yeah. um, I just think that's conceptually neat. So I don't know how I got there, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the first first few days uh, before the sixth day so that we can Mm -hmm. see what that's going to be. Oh, 
I remember now. I decided that randomly generating the adjectives and everything would be the best. Because, like, she didn't choose to come here. She didn't get to, like, pick what the place Mm -hmm. is going to be like. And also, I feel like I get more variety. Um, (laughs) So, like, the Quickie gas station is colorful, overstuffed, and void. Which I decided means, like, they have a ton of shit in there. Like, so much. So much stuff that you could buy, but no people ever. Yeah, oh, that's so good. And I think, honestly, if you are playing solo games, random generators are your friend. They are your best friend because you can just come up with so many interesting things just by hitting that button a few times. A hundred percent. So next I had my neighbors. So I just honestly laid out my journal in the order that everything is covered in the PDF. So first locations, then neighbors. And I have not filled in all of these yet um i just make a neighbor as i encounter them so we might make a new neighbor today we'll see what we roll Um, yeah when i was reading through this that's kind of how i understood the game where the locations and the neighbors and all of that are being built and named mm -hmm. and like all of that as you are going it's not pre-built before you start the story, which I think gives you a lot of flexibility Mm because you can, you know, create different people, especially if you are spacing out when you're doing this journal more. Um, You're going to be a slightly different person. So you're going to create fun people in that timeline. And it doesn't restrict yourself to just the set amount of people that you created at one one time. Exactly. Excuse me. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I have a handful of my neighbors filled in. Um, four spirit um or spirit adjacent neighbors and seven uh human neighbors very fun yeah so i roll um i roll a i get i get a randomly generated name um after i roll a d6 to determine their pronouns so um one is he him two is he they three is they them four i know how to do numbers um (laughs) Yeah, four is she, they, five is she, her, and six uh, I choose based on what I feel is right by oh, their description. Um, yeah, so then I choose a name um, according to uh, either their personality or if I fe- I don't feel any particular kind of way about their personality. Um, mm. I'll just pick what kind of seems right or a neat name because i randomly generate like huge lists of names and then i sort of scroll through and i'm like oh that's neat that's a cool one um <laughs> and they also get abject uh, uh addict adjectives wow, i can talk yes thank i got you, you. Uh, yeah. they, they they also get those as well to describe like aspects of them yes so i also let that kind of dictate how my character feels about them sort of their first mm, impression mm-hmm. um so I mentioned earlier a uh, love interest because I love playing dating Sims and <laughs> I think romancing games is really cute. Uh, all of like all of my D and D characters have partners or will. Cause like all of my DMS know that I just think like a tiny little bit of a romantic subplot is just like the sprinkles on top. Um, <laughs> and so naturally when I was setting up this game, I was like, okay, how am I going to figure out like who if any of these people how my I character date? might be into. <laughs> yeah, how do I date these people? Um, <laughs> how do I turn this into a dating sim? 
like I try to everything else. And um, my sappiness has led me to decide um, just like when you go to a location, when you meet a person or anytime you encounter a person, you roll a D6 and see how your encounter with them goes. So um, I decided that whatever number of sixes um, that I roll, so exceptionally good encounters with them, that's like successfully flirting with them. <laughs> um, as long as there's somebody that I feel like my character would be attracted to based on their adjectives, right? Mm-hmm. So like um, currently... If you would like to give an example. <laughs> yeah, I would. I was literally about to. Um, so currently... Uh, I've only been here for five days, but I have twice uh, in a row <laughs> uh, <laughs> met a uh, a neighbor named Socorro Blankenship. Um, Whoa. I know. A- this this random name. name generator that I use goes fucking hard. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Socorro's pronouns are she, they. Um, she's 33. She, uh, so... To reverse engineer this a little bit, um, the way it works in the game is you roll to determine sort of what facets you're going to encounter at a given point in the day. So Mm -hmm. on this day, um, I think it was actually day four. I, oh no, it was day three. Um, My night event, I rolled to go to the dive bar, um, which is called Foxfire Tav. Yeah, as one does, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And my event, uh, I rolled for a location, a neighbor, and an event to happen. Um, So my location was the dive bar. The neighbor that I rolled was uh, an eight, a human who is really strong. And then the event that I rolled. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's buff as hell. Uh, so then the event that I rolled was a plant is blooming. And so I'm like, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so I kind of sat with that for a second. I'm like, I, I can encounter anybody at a dive bar. Um, wh- what kind of very strong person is going to give a shit about a plant blooming? So I decided mm-hmm. that Socorro Blankenship is, um, oh, let me look at her page again. Um, a groundskeeper slash gardener slash lumberjack. I love that so much. Right. I, uh, because I was like, all right, so obviously if she's working outside, it makes sense that she would have a lot of functional strength, that she would be very strong and also care about a, a plant blooming in a bar. <laughs> uh, yeah. So see, this is what I love about these solo games that just give you prompts where it's just like all right here's all these things you either come up with parts of them or they or you roll randomly on tables here's all these things make them work together and it can just produce the most insane things like who who doesn't want a buff gardener land Land, landscaper, landscaper. And, right? And- <laughs> Who wouldn't? So I actually hadn't decided. Um, so the way it works, the way I play the game, at least, is um, I was just kind of gonna let it happen. So I honestly didn't expect to have 
any sort of strong encounters with anybody this early on in the game. Like Mm -hmm. I was ready for it to just take a while to develop a a romance with any neighbor. Um, So when I rolled to see which neighbor I got, I then uh, rolled all the things that I talked about for um, their pronouns, their name, their, I roll their age. um, And I came up with uh, her occupation. And then, like I said, I let the adjectives sort of determine how my character feels about this person. So I might roll all of these things that like I, as a player might find attractive but then if I get a bunch of shitty adjectives, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I did not have a good first impression of this person. Like, they really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, <laughs> or, like, just objectively speaking, I I don't like them, maybe, or I notice these things about them that I think my character would find repulsive in whatever respect. Um, however, mm-hmm. for Socorro Blankenship, the first three adjectives I got were mighty. Of course, she's very strong. (laughs) Um, Beneficial, which I kind of interpreted to mean like um, she's a good neighbor, right? That she's open to sort of talk and share about this new place that my character has never been before. Almost like Um, someone good to know. Yes, that's such a good way to put it. Thank you. Um, And then the (laughs) last one, gorgeous. So I was like, okay, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, we we doing this, and then I rolled a six for our interaction. So I was like, I met I met this person at a bar, and the flirting went well, and they're gorgeous and strong, and also very nice to me. Uh, I, so I met my future, <laughs> right? Yeah, like I didn't expect it to happen, but even then, I was like, okay, I had before that also had a very good positive interaction um with somebody else that had a lot of positive adjectives about them Mm -hmm. um and so i was like all right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like read into that too far despite my romantic heart saying like fall in make this character fall in love with sakura blankenship immediately Legend and Sakoro forever carve their initials into a tree. What a power couple! Legend, (laughs) amazing. Um, so then the immediate next day, I rolled something else. Let me actually flip to it and see. I mean, I just want to give a little bit of context. Um, so you essentially have four encounters a day. Mm-hmm. And each encounter, you roll a d4 to see how many uh, things that you get. So there's four uh, four things. Locations, neighbors, items, events. And you roll that d4, and let's say you get two. You get to choose which two you want. So you can decide, oh, I want a neighbor and an item today. Then you can like build um, up your encounters from there. But you get four of them a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening, and one at night. Yes. So the my night encounter was meeting Socorro at the dive bar and then the next day <laughs> in the afternoon i uh i'm very indecisive so if i have a sort of like open situation where i'm like i don't know what i want this day to hold um because i especially early on have a 
tendency to roll to determine what my character might do in a situation um, mm-hmm. while I get to know them, like while I as a player get to know the character. And so a lot of the time I'll roll that D4 to see how many of each, like how many categories I might interact with on a given day. So like for the morning, I'll roll a D4 and I'll get three. I'll roll three additional D4s to see which three categories. So I assign each of them a number, one, two, three, and four. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So because I can get caught up in indecision. Um, <laughs> which and things work perfectly together. Exactly. Trying to make sure everything's, you know, <laughs> continuity yeah. and like everything's all good. Yeah. I also feel like it gives the game a higher degree of its own agency because I didn't get to decide that the next afternoon Socorro Blankenship would come visit me at my house. It just happened. Yeah. And like how, like how sweet is that as well? Like, you know, it was completely up to the fate of the dice that that happened. And it's like, Oh my God. (laughs) I know. I know. They came over and I rolled another six. So uh, that's they're the only person so far that I have two positive interactions with. Just yes. saying, I'm, I'm not <laughs> forecasting it, but I'm forecasting it. So, um, all of that being said, I have uh, sort of so this is very exciting for me to get to tell somebody else about this because I don't think I've actually talked to anybody about how my stint in Valerian Creek is going for <laughs> Legend. Um, <laughs> so. I love um, surname now. <laughs> it's it's perfect, honestly. Um, I'm gonna sort of talk you through my first day and how I rolled it, um, mm-hmm. and explain like how I how I go about this, I guess, and then sort of summarize what's happened since then. So okay. I always, yeah, I do all of my rolls first, like up front. Um, I lay out my journal with a section. Um, I label the day. So day one morning, the location, and then the event. Uh, And that's not necessarily tied to the locations and events category. Uh, Just I know that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it somewhere and something's going to (laughs) happen, right? Whether it's me finding an item or me meeting a neighbor or an actual like capital E event happening because I rolled one that that varies, but I split it. Uh, I split the time frame into the location and the event. So then I roll my D4 to determine how many different items I'm going to work into whatever happened that morning. And this time um, I met, I think I rolled a two and I ended up rolling a location, the river and an event um, unexpected visitor. So in that case, since I wasn't at home, you know, I was like an unexpected encounter with another person. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then so I met my first neighbor when I went out to the river to kind of check it all out um, on my first day in my new cabin. And then that was in the morning. The afternoon, I was back home. I had a sudden realization. uh, And that was tied to an item. Uh, and it was, let me see, uh, number nine, it was an item that was exactly what I needed. So Ugh, I okay. kind of, yeah, I kind of decided like 
okay, so I'm at home. I find something that's exactly what I need. It must have been something that my character's uncle left for her. His name Mm -hmm. is Uncle Ira. So I'm like, okay, she found something that Uncle Ira left that she needed that he didn't put in a place that was easy to find. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I decided that that was going to be a key to the root cellar out back um, where he stored sort of all of his monster hunting gear. Which is obviously oh, very important, right? Um, yeah. She's like, okay, what would what would be something that legend would need? Uh, and then the evening, I went to the grocery store. Um, I found something that somebody else had lost, and I decided um, that it was a handkerchief that was actually magical um, because there are magic items in this game, and it's kind of up to you to decide the details of that. I haven't really fleshed it out. I just could tell it was magical because legend has those psychometric capabilities that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Um, So when she touches things, she can recognize whether it's magical, whether it's non-magical. And then if she puts more effort into it, which is there's a mechanic where you roll to use your talent, um, she can suss out more about it. Uh, And so then I met another neighbor, um, which was... Let me see. Uh, her name is Johnny Numbers. And Johnny Numbers? Johnny Numbers. Johnny with an I-E. Iconic. Uh, I, like, I saw Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, and I had already rolled she, her pronouns for my character, Johnny Numbers. But um, <laughs> one of my cousins had a best friend. She was a girl, and her name was Johnny, and she was named after her grandpa. I always thought that was so cool. So Johnny Numbers is really cool. too. Johnny in real life. What a cool name. (laughs) Right? I know. Like, I just think that's neat. So, um, it belonged to um, a neighbor who has a disability, uh, and that was Johnny Numbers. And I, as a, in general, as a person, am really kind of like, I hesitate to say fascinated by because I know that's a very loaded term when you're talking about a disability that somebody can have. But from a medical and like, anatomical standpoint the changes that happen to your brain after a traumatic brain injury are so vast and so varied that i read about them a lot and um there's something called chromatic atopsia where you gradually lose your ability to see in color and that can happen after a traumatic brain injury and I so I decided. That. That's super cool. Yeah. And so I decided. Like, I guess I should say of... cool, but, you know, that's right. very interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is un- it's unfortunate and it's interesting. And um, so just out of, out of personal interest, right? Because this is, it's just a me game so I can work in whatever, um, whatever I happen to be hyper fixating on at the time reading a lot of articles about. I can just nudge that in here somehow. So that's, um Johnny Numbers has chromatic atopsia and she asked me to help her pick out some things in the grocery store. Because if you think about it, a lot of things are colored, like color coded by label, right? They're not necessarily marketed in such a fashion where it's very clear what the difference is between things. Instead, we rely on our color vision to differentiate like, oh, well, this is um, caffeine free, diet coke this is regular diet coke because we know the box is a different color 
Yeah, it just becomes easier because we get used to, like, just spotting the colors alone is easy. Exactly. Because uh, that's just how we, we develop over time. But yeah, if you can't see the colors, it's going to be, it, it's more effort. It's more work that you have to go, have to put into it. And it's more of a, not really, I I mean, I'm sure it could be a struggle in situations, but it's definitely a, a different experience. Yeah, exactly. And for the record, for anybody who's interested, you can help people um, who are blind and low vision through an app called Be My Eyes, where they can put in um, requests for help and they will turn on their sort of, uh, I think their phone camera and or their laptop camera, depending on what device they're using. And they can ask you to help them with things that would be uh, made much easier if they had, if they were seeing or if they had a higher degree of vision than what they have. So that's called really Be My cool. Eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I highly recommend checking that out if you're ever interested in helping anybody in that situation. But um, yeah, so I kind of, I took that, like the fact that I know that you can do that for people through that app. And I said, well, why couldn't Legend do that for Johnny Numbers in the grocery store? Right after mm-hmm. she figured out like, oh, hey, is this your handkerchief? I think I saw you drop it. And Johnny Numbers says, oh, yeah while you're here, would you mind helping me with this? And like, I just help her do her grocery shopping because I had also rolled a a very good interaction with Mm her too. Um, And then after that was when I went to the gas station and I found a ceremonial knife in the parking lot. (laughs) As one does. Uh As one does. And it actually turned out to belong to the 18 year old girl working the register. Um, Her name's Claire Castro. And her adjectives that I had rolled were, like, really intense, devout, secretive, and self-serious. Holy shit. She's like, this is shit. And these (laughs) adjectives? Absolutely insane. I need to know what this generator is so I'll send you the link to it. Yeah, let me (laughs) see. I had had it pulled up on my phone because I'm going to have you roll. And we're going to do a day together. Or maybe just a... Maybe just one encounter because I don't I don't even know how long we've been recording. Um, uh, we've been we've been recording for I think almost an hour ish. Okay. 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 Yeah. Are, we'll see what we have time for. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's just called randomwordgenerator.com, and then they have a bunch of different options where you can choose. So I use their adjective generator and their name generator. And I don't always use the first adjectives or names that they produce. Um, you can have them like generate several if you want to be able to scroll through a list. Uh, and sometimes, like depending on the vibe of the situation, like where I meet one of these neighbors, I'll say, "No, I don't think that's I don't think that's right." Or like the general description of the neighbor based on the number that I rolled for the gameplay. Um, like I, one of them, number nine, is a human who is very quiet and. Uh, his name is Joaquin Nunez, and one of the first adjectives that I randomly generated for him was like boisterous. I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's yeah, it's cool to be able to pick and choose. Sorry, I'm slightly moving away from my mic. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I I like hearing the sort of um, you know development of these are the things I rolled. Here's what I interpreted them as. I. Like, so seriously, that is something I've been getting really fascinated with is interpreting just very simple information into something much bigger. Um, 
the episode, it's not going to be before this one exactly. It's going to be before this one, but not the one before this. Uh, we talk, um, it's actually the next episode I'm coming out with in this current date of uh, February 20th. Uh, but it's a game called Ten Candles. And I don't know if you know what Ten Candles is, but part uh-uh. of the character creation is writing down uh, words on cards so usually one that is more positive and another one that's more negative and then you take those words and you hand them off to the other people at the table oh wow you don't get them and so you have to make it so that those words can be interpreted in many different ways but you hand them off and then whoever gets them gets to decide how am i going to play a character based off of what i just got and it's super, super cool. So, like, hearing hearing kind of your thought process and even being able to um, interpret, like, the ad... ad, ad <laughs> every single time. Ad, oh, my God. This is Adjectives. embarrassing. Thank you. I'm sorry. I got you. Um, no, you good. You good. Um, being able to interpret those into whatever you're feeling for these characters is so, so interesting. I find it to be so cool. I love it so much. It's my favorite part of the game, honestly, is sort of doing the doing the mental math, the creative puzzling of like, okay, I rolled, I rolled it to find some something fucking weird in the parking lot of a gas station. <laughs> and what now? <laughs> yeah, and I already determined that this gas station is like empty. So the one neighbor that I encountered here, who is like extremely serious and very intense teenage girl like what is happening i still haven't figured it out and like Mm -hmm. legend in in her journal wrote like maybe i shouldn't have given her that knife back but i'm i can almost guarantee that she's gonna see some really weird shit from me so i do not (laughs) I want to be on her good side. So yeah, I'll give her a knife back. And I told her to carry it in her purse or something. <laughs> like put it put it away somewhere. Don't just leave it loose in your pocket or whatever led to you dropping it in your parking lot. You know, That's so, so funny. I'm really excited for that to kind of come back around um and just see when or where Claire Castro is gonna pop up next and what sort of weird shit i can get her involved in (laughs) i'm super excited about that um so if you're down i would love to have your help rolling day six yes absolutely oh i forgot um i was gonna give you a sort of uh less detailed summary so after that um day two i did some exploring um and i actually encountered my first dungeon uh so there are dungeons in this game Uh, The description says, there are lots of strange places in the woods. The town sewers have many secrets. If you can imagine a dungeon for a location, it exists. Once you attempt a dungeon, you must wait seven days before attempting it again or trying another. If you've successfully cleared a dungeon, it cannot be attempted again at that location until the next season, which is to say for 90 more journaling days. Um, This is one of the things that I have modified. Um, So I mentioned that sometimes I will roll to randomly determine like, whether I get a location, neighbor item, or event, that sort of thing. I also, because this is Legend's job, I decided that she would be more aggressive than just going once a week to sort of fuck around in a dungeon once she finds one. 
Um, <laughs> so just how she is. Yeah, exactly. Like this is her whole thing. She it's literally all she really has to do besides wander around town. And <laughs> like, if she does that too much, then the neighbors are going to start asking like, Oh, well, what do you do for a living? And she can't just be like, I'm tend the forest. Right. Like theoretically. <laughs> sure. But that kind of doesn't really, doesn't really pass. It's not, <laughs> it doesn't fly. Um, Can't get so suspicious. yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, not that there aren't a bunch of fucking weird people in Valerian Creek, but you don't want to draw mm-hmm. attention to yourself when you have mystical powers and remember hundreds of years of history. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So she, she wants to lay low. So she um, typically passes her time, I think doing research and trying to clear dungeons. And so I have for my own sake, um, to sort of better accord with my character decided that I'll, I'll wait three days before Mm -hmm. attempting a dungeon. So we could, if we wanted attempt a dungeon today, uh, depending what we roll. So my first dungeon, I found um, one of uncle Ira's markers off the highway while I was driving around. Um, I explored it and I got through a couple rooms before I encountered a pit trap that I just, I couldn't get around. Um, So you get your four sort of periods of the day and then you get a bonus action. That's sort of like indicative of what you've done with your free time for that day Mm -hmm. um, outside of whatever events happen. And so that night legend either looked for or built a ladder. I didn't really determine. um, (laughs) Oh no, she stole one. She stole a ladder from the archeological dig. Um, yeah so yeah right so attempted the dungeon didn't get very far decided to eat my feelings in pancakes um and while i was at the diner uh i saw a weird shadow out the window that nobody else seemed to be noticing or acknowledging so that was my first spirit neighbor encounter um with a spirit named message who is sort of the tattletale of valerian creek um (laughs) and message um all of the spirits i i use they them for all of the spirits just because um of the sort of like the less specific like i want them to be more conceptual um than More like, like an idea than a reality. than a like, character right like their their character is defined by the idea or ideals that they embody right mm-hmm. what is left over um and so i opted not to like assign any of the spirits any gendered pronouns so they all get they them um but message is really tall much taller than me that's what the that's what the thing said um <laughs> And they uh, are nosy, puzzled, and protective. So those three adjectives, I was like, all right, they're always up to something. They're (laughs) trying to figure things out. um, And they're very, very protective of this place. And so I was like, all right, so they see something else going on. They don't want the spirits to be blamed for it. Um, 
And that's kind of, that's what Uncle Iroh was doing there, was helping to sort of clear the dungeons, get rid of monsters, make sure the spirits don't get blamed for things. So the spirits are getting blamed for messing around at the archaeological dig, which was the night location that I rolled that day. Turns out, though, it was a cryptid. (laughs) Uh, One of the neighbor options is uh, number 19, a spirit that is actually a cryptid. So I determined that it was... (laughs) Uh, gonna be the Tennessee wild man because I looked up Tennessee cryptids and <laughs> the wild man just kind of seemed like a very ineffectual like he would sort of walk around outside of people's yard like outside of people's houses like walk around in their yards and then get yelled at and leave honestly I, do. <laughs> I relate right like somebody yells at me to get out of their yard I'm like okay sorry man god okay um so he's just like a big hairy dude who's actually not that bad. Um, the adjectives that I rolled for him, it's going to take me a second to find them. Um, but his name is Dave, um, a.k.a. the Tennessee wild man, actually <laughs> cryptid. His adjectives are fumbling, mellow, and shy. I love him. Right? And so he was like, he was messing around with the archaeological dig because he got curious but he also like fucked up a bunch of things like knocked shit over and made messes and so then people were like oh poltergeist like the spirits around here are unsettled because we're <laughs> we're digging around here and it's like no it's dave uh it's, it's so dave. yeah so message was like hey can you clear the air here like get dave to stop fucking around so we'll stop getting blamed for things <laughs> so i did um well i didn't roll a, i didn't roll very well i actually rolled a very poor encounter so um i said that when i arrived dave just ran immediately i didn't get to talk to him i think that's happened yeah. three times now i've rolled the most encounters with dave only one of them has been good man poor dave <laughs> i know day. he's just scared dude he's just one a shy guy relationship and get to understand who this man is and what his motives are <laughs> yeah yeah ironically um the next day i was out looking around in the woods um i found an abandoned house and i saw a bunch of noise or i saw a bunch of noise i heard a bunch of noise and saw a disturbance out in the woods turned out it was dave had a bad encounter <laughs> rolled like a one or a two dave ran away um <laughs> And then, literally, the next location that I rolled was Dave's hideout. So I decided I had followed him. Um, <laughs> I love that. And yeah, and he like he wasn't there, but I uh, I saw the fisherman that I met in my very first morning encounter. Uh, his name's Foster Buck, and I saw him Foster. leaving fish. Foster Buck, a twenty-one-year-old fisherman um, with a bunch of scars on his face. I don't know what that's about yet, but. <laughs> they're there, they're there. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep so uh foster buck was leaving uh fish for dave so it's clear that some of the townspeople at least one of them knows that dave is not a spirit and that he's out there they're aware of his hideout um so then i went home i just dug through uh some of the stuff my uncle left me um i think i found an item that was like uh an item that's a hand-me-down so it was his collection of hawaiian shirts uh (laughs) one of which i wore that night to the foxfire tav which is the dive bar where i met sikoro blankenship and we talked about 
plants. Um, I decided, I decided I had a huge crush based on the adjectives and everything that I had rolled and how well the encounter went. Um, so I went home and with my bonus action for that day, I made a bracelet for Socorro Blankenship because I decided, um, I know one of the bonus actions you can do is to craft a magical item, which gives you one reroll when you use it. Um, so then if you sort of build up a, a cache of magic items, then you can you can use them as needed if you roll badly and you really want a different result. Um, and so I decided that legend braids like friendship bracelets and like in doing so through touch imbues them with magic. Um, Ooh, I love that. Thank you. So then that means also that she ends up wearing a an ass load of <laughs> friendship bracelets that she herself has made. <laughs> like um, just all of these sort of braided bracelets. Um, and I love it. I wrote that like part of their conversation was that Socorro had noticed and complimented Legend's bracelets. And so then Legend went home and made one. And was gonna. Just, oh, these are just so fun for just creating little stories. So yeah, fun. it's so good. Oh, I found in the abandoned house. I forgot to mention this is one of my favorite stupid things I've put in here so far. I found a tamagotchi. Um, <laughs> I found an old tamagotchi that still worked after I replaced the batteries, and I named the tamagotchi Machete. Uh, machete. <laughs> so yeah, so I introduced Socorro to. Uh, machete while we were talking at the bar then the next day um at home i found a stack of library books that uncle ira had checked out six years ago and hidden under his bed yeah so there's and i'm i mentioned earlier i think um joaquin nunez is the very quiet human he's a he works for the library um and we have a service here where library staff will drive around and deliver books to elderly people um or people who are ill yeah it's really sweet so like you can put in a request and have um books delivered to you and they did it before covid and then i think it got really popular during covid um Mm -hmm. because library workers could just drop off the books and then come like get them back off of a person's porch sanitize them it's one of the like small town things so i decided that Joaquin Nunez does that and also apparently there's some beef between Uncle Ira and Joaquin Nunez since Uncle Ira was stealing library books um and Joaquin Nunez is very serious and no nonsense so I that's like not a prank (laughs) not a person I would pull a prank on um that's that's fine uh very quick I do have a question uh within the game so I don't think there's actually something that specifically says give everyone an occupation is that just something you naturally do to kind of fit these characters into the world yeah yeah it's it kind of helps i think for me um to connect the things that i've rolled about them so i skipped over mentioning when i had meant when i had met joaquin nunez but i met him at a crossroad uh and he was i i don't remember why i decided he was like fixing a flat tire on his car um but he i rolled something where he both gave me a book and asked me to return an item that somebody had lost 
And so that was kind of like, I was like, all right, what is this guy that I meet at a crossroads going to be doing that he's just giving me a book? <laughs> right. That's so I decided so like, okay, he works for the library. He makes deliveries. He found um, a book that does not belong to the library. Um, and Uncle Ira was very good at figuring out who lost items belonged to. Um, I haven't decided if Uncle Ira is also capable of psychometry in the same way that Legend is. I don't know. Um, I just decided, like, Uncle Ira was always good at finding things that people had lost and getting lost things back to their people. And, of course, Legend is also very, very good at that, given her talent. So uh, Joaquin Nunez was like, here, your uncle used to do this for me can you, can you do this? Does this run in the family? And legend was like, sure, I'll figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> um, oh, that's fun. Yeah. So it was just like, I, I kind of decided that because it made sense in my brain. It was a, a sort of link for me to explain what somebody at a crossroads would be doing, giving me a book. And then I decided that the lost item that he wanted me to find the owner of was probably also a book based on the fact that he's, you know, picking up books all the time. Um, <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yeah. I was, yeah. I, was, I was just very curious and like kind of your approach to that. Yeah. A lot of the time I use an occupation or um, something else to sort of tie together the pieces of the encounter that I rolled. Because mm-hmm. I, I like connecting them. Right, like Foster Buck, I decided was a fisherman because um, he was my neighbor number three, a human with practical skills. So he could have been doing anything, but I met him by the river outside of my cabin. So mm-hmm. I decided that he's a fisherman who likes fishing that spot, and Uncle Ira would always let him fish there. Um, so that was like our initial encounter was having that conversation, me telling him that he can still fish there. Um So yeah, that's one of those details that I find is like not necessarily, um, now that I'm looking at it, most of these features of the neighbors, like their brief descriptions as you roll them, they don't necessarily dictate what uh, the neighbor might do for a living. And Mm -hmm. so having wiggle room in that respect, I think gives me a lot to play with to explain like why this person is where they are right like johnny numbers being at the grocery store everybody goes to the grocery store right that's Mm -hmm. so that's not necessarily linked um but yeah i think it also helps me flesh them out to kind of think about what they're doing on a day-to-day basis too yeah gives you a good starting point so that Mm -hmm. you know and that can also change how you uh use them in the future with journal entries maybe you end up maybe the location if you don't roll one uh maybe you are at a location where they work so at the library itself Mm -hmm. all of that very very cool of so i don't want this to run super long so if you want to uh finish up the kind of lead up to the day then we can do the six yeah uh, day six that would be great yeah so um i basically um sakura came to visit me at my house and then i went to graveyard um caught dave following me he fell out of a tree still counts as me catching him um (laughs) And then uh, the most interesting thing that happened since then was that I went home and a package was delivered with Uncle Ira's name on it. But 
when I tried to open it, it was a music box that tried to stab me. So hmm. I can't remember. I wish I had written down uh, what item specifically that was. I think I might have put it in my little items list here. I do track um, the items that I roll on an inventory sheet. And I decide, like, I keep note of if I've kept something, if I return it to somebody, if I give it to somebody else. Um, just as, like, have it or not. Yeah, and as story beats. Um, so... Let me see. I think it was something that turns out to be dangerous. Um, Um. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I haven't been here that long. But Uncle Ira was here for a while. And Uncle Ira can get up to some nonsense, right? Like, (laughs) who knows what he was doing so uh, or what enemies he might have made. Yeah, maybe it's a nemesis that just decides to attack through music boxes. It, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't remember why I picked a music box. Oh, because it was like, I feel like the fact that it says it turns out to be dangerous is that it is innocuous at first mm-hmm. glance, right? And so I was thinking like, okay, what is it that I might get delivered that I would then interact with in a way that it could turn around and hurt me or nearly hurt me? And <sighs> there's a... <laughs> One of my favorite stupid videos on the internet is um, this guy made a mechanical, like a mechanically motor driven, sorry, this guy made a motor driven, mechanically operational tentacle machine that's like one tentacle in it just like whips around when you turn it on. And he, he attached a knife to it. Oh no. Why I don't know why. Do he, he did not specify. He just said, I've got a knife-wielding tentacle. If anybody else would like to come turn this off, that'd be fine by me. That's, like, (laughs) the extent of the video. And it's just the tentacle box, like, flailing. So I kind of had, like, I like working cursed objects and stuff that I think are funny from memes (laughs) into stuff like this. So I was like, all right, so it's a music box that then I go to open it naturally to, like, see what's inside of it or what music will play. And something lashes out with a blade attached to it. And uh, I think it did cut me because I rolled, um, I rolled a D six to kind of figure out like how my interaction with that event went. Uh, And I rolled pretty low. So I decided that it did like, it did manage to like cut my arm or something. Um, And that's so funny though. Yeah. And so then I tried to use my talent and I rolled poorly to use my talent. So I didn't get any information off of the box. Oh, uh, I'm so curious what like the outcome man, of me too. is going to be. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I'll keep you posted if I figure something out. Um, so I got that package. And then the next day, not a lot interesting happened, but I did a couple times roll um, the same like I see a flurry of activity. I think I rolled that a couple times on day five. So I have a feeling that I am being watched. Previously, it was by Dave. (laughs) I'm not sure now because I didn't, uh, I didn't roll a neighbor in that encounter. It was just, um, Mm -hmm. it was just an event and the event was a flurry of activity uh, nearby. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I met another spirit. 
uh, I went back to the dive bar later that evening, um, noticed something that nobody else seems to notice. And I also rolled a spirit neighbor. So those two really went hand in hand for me. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. They led me to the graveyard um, where I found a note addressed to me. Oh, shoot. Uh-huh. I haven't figured out yet what it says. I haven't decided yet. I'm still thinking <laughs> about it. Uh, so I left some room for that journal entry and I'm going to, I'm stewing on that one still. Um, That's amazing. I met an artist who was painting a landscape of the graveyard and sh- I had a very bad encounter with her and she just insulted my Hawaiian shirt. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> before we get into uh, doing like the day six and all of that, I yeah. I also want to ask how long do you think it takes you about to do these journal entries? Uh, it depends how, how much I want to write and how sort of dedicated uh I am to actually writing in a given mm-hmm. week. So um, I've been doing this for intermittently um, for a couple months now, um, just writing like a little bit at a time. And I'm just about to start day six. So if I was more like, if I did it more regularly, I'm sure. And if I wrote less for each journal entry, then that would sort of help the time pass more quickly. But I'm not really in a rush. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying how I'm doing it right now. And there have been a couple times where um, I didn't feel like writing, but I just wanted to roll the encounters and think mm-hmm. about it. Uh, so I've done that. And then I go back later and I write it when I feel like writing. And I Yeah, that that's what I was curious about as you were you still haven't resolved the thing with the letter and I was curious like do you just address the like if you get stuck on a part do you just move forward and address it mm-hmm. later stuff like that that's very cool. Yeah, cuz I know like typically um I'll write about 3 3 to 4 pages for a journal mm-hmm. entry. Um some have gotten wordier, some have been shorter, but then I know kind of if I'm not ready to fully write it, but I want to move forward and see what happens next and maybe come back, um, then I'll just leave three or four pages blank and set up my next day, which is what I'm about to do now because um, I have the I have day five half written uh, up until I got to the up until I got to the note because I just kind of was like, uh, I don't. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I haven't decided. I haven't been able to quite nail down what exactly I want it to say. Um, but it was left on Uncle Ira's grave. So I think it might have been from the person that sent that box. Oh, uh, that would be fun. Kind of, yeah, kind of where I'm going. Because the box, like, the parcel was addressed to Uncle Ira. And it ended up hurting me. So I'm thinking, like, if it was somebody who didn't realize that Uncle Ira was gone and that I had moved in, they might be like, stuff that wasn't meant for you. But also don't try to figure out what's going on. Oh, I love that. Maybe. Yeah. So that's kind of where There's I'm something, leaning. something lurking. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we can be chill as long as you don't dig where your uncle was digging. And like, that's literally my entire job. So I'm sure that's going to devolve. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. I'm excited. So that's kind of where I left off. I went home and I tried to use my bonus action to use my talent to get glimpses of anything from the note but i'm i'm bad at my job i guess because i rolled poorly for that again uh Mm -hmm. so um i think i 
Yeah, I wrote that I got glimpses, but nothing particularly useful. I think I rolled like a three. Mm-hmm. So just su- I'm just going to integrate some superfluous information that I might be able to come back to later um, as and use as like, oh, this is a clue that it was like this person that left it. But at the time, I maybe hadn't met this neighbor yet. So it was. Oh, super- I like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's not useful to me right now, but it's like relatively high on the d6 like a three lower part of mid tier so like not useful now maybe a little bit useful later yeah that's Uh, really cool again just the pacing within solo games i think is very fascinating because again if you have a busy schedule if you don't have a group to play ttrpgs with if like anything that makes it so that you just don't really have the time Mm-hmm. Really try solo RPGs. They are so fascinating, and there's so many out there. And you don't just have to do journaling games, because um, yeah. there's uh, more like game books that are similar to like choose your own adventure books that'll usually have you that'll let you have stats and stuff like that. Uh, there are actual like kind of more so quote unquote games. I would mm-hmm. say The Quiet Year is a good example of yeah, sort of a absolutely. I don't know if I would call it an RPG, but it, it, it's very similar to where you're building up a civilization. You could do that on your own if you would really like. You can do it with other people. Um, there's even the game that we already covered on the RPG Goblin called Rune, which is like a Dark Souls solo RPG. Uh, that's more like a game as well where you uh, play kind of these pre-written adventures and you see how you fare against, you know, these evil things and things that are trying to kill you so solo um journaling rpgs aren't the only option however they are a very cool option if you like the storytelling elements and want to build relationships and characters and all of that yeah that's my favorite part about it honestly (laughs) like i've just wanted something lighthearted that i can sort of escape into uh that gives me because i like writing and so to have something that gives me an outlet that I don't have to completely generate with my own steam, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. that's really, really good for me personally to like be able to exercise my creativity and my energy when I when I have it through this medium with like pretty minimal rules and everything, um, which we're going to show you. So yeah. I am going to have you roll. I was thinking um, maybe we just do the morning of day six so you can kind of get because the rolling process is the same for every chunk of the day aside from the bonus action where you have um options for what you can do basically you pick one from four different things and then you roll a d6 you have to Mm -hmm. get a four or higher to succeed on whatever it is you're trying to do so like when i've mentioned that i try to use my talent with my bonus action i've rolled a d6 and i've gotten a one two or three on the times that i've not succeeded so yes i'm thinking what if we do just morning but we kind of instead of rolling the d4 to see which things we do we do one of each so as though we had rolled a four on the d4 just so we can kind of integrate everything oh absolutely i love that All right. So I always start with location. I just kind of actually typically um, bounce around, but I always do location first. So if you want, Willow, to roll me a d20. I got one of Emily's dice here. (laughs) Pink (gasps) dreams. Let's go. Um, So d20 on location. 
And we have a 13, which is a graveyard. 13, I'm back at the graveyard. I'm back (laughs) at the graveyard. Okay. So this is where I was um, when I found that note. I was visiting Uncle Ira's grave. Um, And that was actually last night. So I think I found the, the note on the grave and I probably went back to see... Maybe something else is there. Um, yeah, and <laughs> if I maybe might be able to find an undertaker or somebody who might know, somebody who might have seen something. So then um, I like to do the event next. So if you would roll me All another right. d20. Uh, let me scroll up. Event. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought my cat was moving around. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> event. D20. Another 13. <laughs> Ooh, lucky number. Minor oh, um, tragedy tragedy before befalls a neighbor. Oh no. Oh, a minor tragedy in a graveyard. All right. Um so yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, the next um so if for instance I had rolled um the d4 and I got maybe like two on that. So I would either pick or roll if I'm feeling indecisive and I don't want to pick which categories from location, neighbor, item, or event. Um, If I had already rolled for the location and then I rolled the event and it said something happened to a neighbor, I would ignore the roll that I got because this one is like coupled with there being a neighbor involved, if that makes sense. So I kind of play it fast and loose. Like I don't live by... Or you could always uh, add a neighbor in if it's a if it's something that you really want to explore as well. Exactly. Yeah, you are. It's ultimately it's up to you, right? Because that's your story again. Yeah, it's your story. It's completely yours, and you can do with it what you will. So let's see which neighbor is experiencing something unfortunate. Oh no! Um, All right, neighbor D twenty ten. Human ten. Human runs a location. <gasps> the Undertaker. Oh no, the Undertaker. Right? Had a right, so tragedy. Like, <laughs> we could roll for the location, but I think it makes a lot of sense since I was at the graveyard last night. I'm back there this morning. It makes sense to me that legend as a sort of slightly investigative person um she's not very methodical (laughs) at all yeah but she (laughs) found a she found a note with her name on it um that was sent or left for her by whoever sent her this box or whoever sent uncle ira this box um so it feels logical to me that she would go back to the graveyard looking for the undertaker right and so it's human who runs a location that's is sometimes it just works out (laughs) so beautifully um all right but this is a neighbor that i actually haven't met before i haven't rolled a 10 yet on my neighbor's chart so i'm going to make some notes about this person and i already have uh my names list and my adjectives pulled up um, would you go ahead and roll me a D6 so we can figure out the uh, Undertaker or the Groundskeeper? Is it an Undertaker? Um, I undertaker, I think... Uh, undertaker might be more of like a place where you get coffins and stuff like that, but I'm really not uh, sure. They prepare. I, yeah, I think they might prepare uh, more so. 
but I think like groundskeeper or something like that. Uh, Undertaker just sounds spookier, so I get it. <laughs> graveyard. The keeper. grave. The the person who takes care. Yeah, of graveyard graves. keeper. Oh, that's a that's a video game. Oh, is it? <laughs> um, I got a four on the D six. Okay, so that is she they. So let's see. I love the slight sounds of you writing on the <laughs> journal. Thank you. All right. Um, so she, let's see. Um, do you have your D10? Uh, yes, I do. You roll it for me four times. We're going to determine uh, their age. I start with a base age of um, 14. So they will oh, be at fun. least. Yeah. Uh, eight. Okay. Three. Okay. Five. Okay. One. Okay, so it's 17. So 14 plus 17. They're 31 years old. Oh, um, I see. Okay. So you yeah. just essentially add it onto that. Gotcha. I was just about to ask yeah. about the kind of system Occasionally, that. yeah. Occasionally, I'm like, I'm going to add like a D20 or two to that if I feel like they might be an older person. Because I just, I want to mm-hmm. try to incorporate neighbors of all ages. I um, love that. For a while, I was rolling a D100 for age, but I kept rolling children, and I hated that. Uh, so <laughs> I don't want everyone like, to be a child. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to involve any children in this. Um, so thus far, they've all been like. Um, I mean, I have had one. Claire Castro is eighteen. Foster Buck is twenty-one. Um, the artist that I mentioned, her name's Maggie Magdalena. She's 60. Johnny Numbers is 31. Socorro Blankenship is 33. Um, Elkie Rasmussen, who is maybe my favorite neighbor that I've rolled so far, <laughs> they um, they have a weird hobby. So I decided they break things for fun and then make like mosaic art out of the broken <laughs> stuff. Um, I love that for them. Yeah, they're 48. Joaquin Nunez is 50. Uh, mm-hmm. Our new uh, graveyard keeper is 31. So, yeah. And then I don't roll an age for the for the spirits. I just give them adjectives. Mm-hmm. They are. They are eternal. So, um, she, they, 31 years old, um, graveyard keeper... And now I'm going to grab, should we do name first or adjectives first? Um, I feel like name to set the vibe. Name. Okay. I'm going to generate 30 random names, randomwordgenerator.com, really putting in the work. <laughs> um, so I, it gives you an option, um, male names, female names, or both. Um, and they have a decent number on here that are actually pretty neutral. Uh, so that's one of the things that I like about this generator. Sometimes I will also splice first and last names. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to give you a few options. Um, Rhea Stone. Noble Ewing. 
Noble Ewing? Uh-huh. That's amazing. Casey Cunningham. <laughs> or Carla Waters. I mean, I just can't help but be attracted to the Noble Ewing. <laughs> right. I keep I keep picking the best names for all of these. Like Valerian Creek is the town of people who have fucking badass names. It's Noble. just a feature. <laughs> yeah. They're living the life that uh, we long for. Yeah. So <laughs> Noble is going to be... If only there was I roll... <laughs> uh, right, Vibin. Um I'm going to give Noble one adjective at a time because um, I feel like that makes it easier for me to consider it truly random. I'm... I'm not super truly random with their names because I like picking names from the list, making something cool. Um, but I want their adjectives to actually be random. Some of these do pick like adjectives that are only suitable for objects or places. So I would skip those. Um, but the first one is resolute. Uh-huh. I also feel like I'm expanding my vocabulary playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually that's actually a good way to view it, you know? <laughs> you learn more. <laughs> Resolute. Thoughtless. Oh. oh. She fell in a hole, didn't she? <laughs> she fell in a hole. Oh no. I would I'm calling her third adjective is offbeat. Resolute, thoughtless, and offbeat. She fell in a hole and is being really stubborn about it. <laughs> She's determined to get out on her own. <laughs> I decided. Um, so then, since we have um, the place and the uh, event and the neighbor, go ahead and roll me 2d6 and tell me what numbers you get. 2d6. Some nice rolling noises. Yeah. A five? Actually, two fives. Double five. Double fives. Okay, so that's two um, positive encounters. Uh, the first one for the graveyard. Hell yeah. Uh, where is this? Oh, it's 13. Here we go. So my first encounter at the graveyard was not positive, And then I also had an... I had a pretty bad interaction with the painter that I met there last night. So it's nice to have a positive interaction on the board with <laughs> and the it's, graveyard. And it's when someone falls into a hole. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm gonna I think maybe we help her out because we have a good interaction with her too. A five is like solidly good. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I think maybe Noble fell into a freshly dug grave that they hadn't noticed uh was there and was being very stubborn about um finding their own way out of it but we were able to kind of convince them to let us help and noble um or sorry legend actually does have a ladder in her truck because if you remember oh, yeah. she got stymied by a pit trap when she tried to do that dungeon and so she had spent her bonus action um, finding a ladder, which <laughs> conveniently I was able to steal from the archaeological dig. So I've got a stolen ladder in the back of my truck, but it's a ladder. It's not that distinctive. So um, oh, I'll I use my it. stolen ladder. 
dope. It just kind of reminds me. We, I know we talked about it when we were talking Monster of the Week, but the oops move. Just like slowly collecting various items and then it becomes useful in the future. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. That is 100% why I made that um, inventory page on my thing. Because like you track your items and as you collect things you can actually make a collection Mm -hmm. so one of the things that i decided uh legend collects is keys right so yeah i just think they're neat so uh legend has um the key to the root cellar is currently the only key in her collection but um sometimes when i feel it's justified i will have her find a key somewhere So thus far, that's the only one. Yeah, but um, there are some rules about making collections uh, where you choose like an item theme and you find, so like my item theme is keys and I'm to collect, find and collect thematic items for each of the 20 item prompts. So a key for each of those 20 item prompts oh, so that you can like roll. One that is broken, uh, one that someone lost, one that is handmade, all of that. Precisely. Oh, that's one so you want fun. to keep but shouldn't. Yeah, one that makes you feel a little ill. Item of <laughs> great know. value. Oh, that's so uh, fun. Oh, I love yeah. That. So speaking of items, that's our fourth thing on our list. So Ooh. we find that noble Ewing has fallen to a freshly dug grave. <laughs> We succeed convincing her to let us help her out. Um, And then there's going to be an item involved somehow. So if you would roll me one last D20. Absolutely. And that item will be uh, an item that makes you nostalgic. Ooh, okay. This is actually, uh, this is what I rolled when I found the Tamagotchi. Uh Because they make me... (laughs) Emily nostalgic and I was like <laughs> uh Legend and I are the same age right so mm-hmm. thinking about that like Tamagotchi makes me nostalgic um I think maybe Legend <laughs> goes back to visit Uncle Ira's grave and see if there's another note left and uh finds something that somebody left like maybe a photo of uncle ira or something yeah but that also still makes me so spooked out by whatever this like nemesis person is because i feel like (laughs) that could be something connected within that as well Ooh, do you want to roll for it and see if it is Ooh, yeah Roll me a d6, and we'll range it from, like, malevolent being one to friendly being six. If I get a one, I swear. I got a two. Okay, yeah, Mm. so that's, like, yeah. Somebody who was maybe not friends. Is there maybe something written on the back of the picture or something? Ooh. Ooh. What if it's, like, a one of those uh like it's a picture where uncle ira clearly didn't know that he was being photographed oh no like it looks uh-huh. it, it almost looks like a normal picture at first and it's like oh look, yeah you know? and then and that's why it's nostalgic and then i, I turn it around and it's like ooh, 
Oh, I love that so much. Oh. Someone's being it's a little not weird. Like a threatening, yeah, maybe <laughs> it's not a threatening note, but I recognize the handwriting. It just says like Ira. And I recognize the handwriting from the package and from the note that was left to me. Oh, I really like that. Absolutely. Hell yeah. What an eventful morning. I know, right? The graveyard. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm glad it breaks it into like chunks of the day as opposed to like the entire day trying to put a time limit on it. Cause some of this stuff I'm like, yeah, okay. I just kind of mess around in my cabin for a while and find something interesting. And then other times I'm like, this would absolutely take me all four to six hours that you could count as morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> Talking noble Ewing out of the, uh, into like letting me help him out of that hole and so on and so forth. So. Oh, but yeah, that's a great, honestly, that was such a great example of, you know, rolling all rolling on the random prompts and tying it into the story that you have already created. Obviously it's a little different when you're just starting out. Cause not, mm-hmm. Not really, things aren't really in place yet, but as you go, that's going to be how it is. You are going to roll on these tables, you're going to get these prompts, and you tie them into the story one way or another. And I love that for some reason, there's this like weird person who's kind of got an eye on you. And it's like, all yeah. right, what's this going to be about? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. And I'm I'm really vibing with it. So it's a lot of fun because too, like, I know that feeling like, oh, well, I'm just playing it by myself. What surprises could there be? Right. And like it, I mean, illustrated just then, like, you know, I roll something and then I have to figure out like, okay, well, how can I connect all of these things together with what I know about this place and my character and the neighbors that I've met so far and what I've established about my, about my little town Right. And then sometimes the solution that you come up with surprises you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's really cool. And I hope after listening to this, more people will play over the mountain because it is just, it's so good. I want to hear about other people's experiences playing it. I agree so, so, so much. I even want to start playing it after this. I, I get, like I said earlier, I have a character that. I designed initially for a game, and I'm not quite sure if that game is still going to happen, but I love the character idea. It's like, oh, how can I twist it in a way to actually, like, make it, make them fit in this game? And, you know, like, give them their own little story, because that that's the one thing. I know a lot of people like to create characters, and there aren't yes. always games for their those characters. Solo games would be an amazing opportunity to start to explore things about these characters, even potentially making and creating parts of their backstory for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best part, honestly. <laughs> it really and is. And I love reverse engineering them through play, like something happens and I'm like, okay, how is this, how is this relevant? Like what is happening here? (laughs) And the great thing as well is that it's a very cozy game, you know, journal, just Mm -hmm. rolling prompts. There's a lot of ones that are like, uh, it it reminds me of like animal crossing, you know, like someone lost something and you're going around like asking each of the villagers like, Oh, I found this item. And they're like, Oh, it's someone else's. Obviously it doesn't play out exactly like that, but it's got like cute little prompts where, you know, someone lost something and you, you want to return it to them. And so you like see the journey. Well, you don't see, you write down the journey of how that happened. Yeah. That day. It's yeah. So you cool. discover it by rolling. Yeah. And you can like, um, 
for every three positive interactions that you have with one of your neighbors, you can do a side quest for them. So the next time you see them, it says you roll a d20 for an item that they ask you to bring them. And then you kind of play through the game and you find that item whenever it feels right. Right. So like, yeah, I think it's really neat. And then you can, uh, you have to wait until you see that neighbor again to give them whatever it was you found for them. Um, so like it might take a while theoretically, depending on the luck of the dice, but uh, <laughs> then you get three more positive interactions. So you can choose to do things for your neighbors who you like. Mm-hmm. So obviously legend has a huge crush on Socorro Blankenship. So as soon as that third positive interaction <laughs> happens, legend is going to be like, is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> um, and then, like, once you have 10 positive interactions with a neighbor, you can try to tell them your secret. And Ooh. that you do that as an encounter. So you roll your D6. And then if it goes well, they might become your friend. Um, and it will just completely then, change the relationship as well. Because, you know, if you yeah. roll something negative, if you roll a bad encounter, then what bad thing happens are you because i love also different ways of interpreting failure is there a reason maybe that you aren't able to tell them if it's not like a super super bad encounter or is there or did you tell them and they reacted in a way that was negative and bad that surprised you or maybe if you roll like a you roll a three it doesn't necessarily harm your relationship, but they just don't believe you. Yeah, that as well, because this, like, even though the town, at least your town, is, like, kind of spooky and weird, people still might not believe you. You know, that's not the norm. That's not, that's not something that's really, you know, normal. That's not something that's mm-hmm. talked about. So just not believing you may harm your relationship just a little bit and would count as a like quote-unquote bad encounter because they just they might think you're lying or they just think you're telling a story to accomplish some sort of goal it's crazy right or think you're you know you're joking with them which i think would be hurtful right like if legend becomes close with somebody like currently um I have two positive interactions with Socorro Blankenship and with Foster Buck. And Mm -hmm. so those two are like the furthest I'm getting in terms of relationship progress. Mm -hmm. And once I become friends with like Foster Buck, if I try to tell him my secret and for whatever reason, the circumstances or whatever, I decide like he kind of waves it off as like an, Oh, ha ha. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, very funny. Like that might seriously hurt Legend's feelings. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. Like, oh, yeah. There's so many things that you can explore, and so many opportunities that will arise within this game because of how it's been set up and just your own create creativity. It's amazing, and uh, I I don't know if there's any like last few mechanics or any last few words you want to say about the game before we end the episode, but I think that's that's pretty much the majority of it. It's your own creativity with this very simple structure, and you will just go from there and create amazing stories. Yeah, absolutely. I highly encourage anybody who's interested to check it out. Um, I think Mars Corbeau made this for a game jam, if I recall correctly, and it is available for free. You can choose to tip them. 
um, for their game design effort. And it's so much fun, honestly. And it's the exact correct amount, in my opinion, of like developed gameplay mechanics and prompts versus freedom of choice. And if you, like me, have a hard time deciding on things, you can always come up with a way to roll to determine it or random randomly generate it or something like that, right? I try to I try to bridge my own creativity with my desire to have a stress-free play experience with this, right? So like if I if I hit a spot where I'm like, I don't know what to do, I will just leave as much of it up to the dice as possible and then just let my creativity shine in how I choose to put those roles together. Yep. And it is absolutely flexible in that regard. And you can do the opposite too, right? You could decide not to roll and you could just say like, I know that I want this. I want to go to the gas station Mm -hmm. and have whatever happens happen there. Yeah, over time, it'll just, it it might just become you are creating your own story without doing any of the rolling at all. Because that's just how far you've gotten into the game. You have a good idea of how things would happen. You've developed the neighbors, you've developed your characters, you've developed the location enough that you feel confident just going in and, you know, creating your own story. Exactly. So cool. I love it so much. I definitely need to start playing some solo games because the more and more I'm looking into them, the more and more opportunities that I see for just absolutely amazing experiences. I need to hear everything about when you start playing Over the Mountain. I need to know all about your character and what you name your town so I can talk (laughs) shit about it. (laughs) No! (laughs) As long as I can talk shit about your town, then it's a deal. Oh, 100%. It's fucking weird. (laughs) Like... Uh, Please do. I think that's a great time to end the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again, Emily, for coming on. It's been a joy every time you've come on. And this time is no different. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's always so fun to be here and just get progressively a little bit stranger every time. (laughs) Absolutely. As as well as I just appreciate you just sharing the stories from your game and, you know, the creation of it, because that's always that's something that I always find extremely fascinating. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the RPG Goblin. Uh, This was such a blast. And like I said at the beginning, I've actually started Um, my own personal game of Over the Mountain, and it has been such a blast so far to um, start my character's story and set up all the prompts for it. Again, thank you to Emily for joining me yet again on this podcast. It has been such a blast. Emily's social media is in the description below, along with the RPG Goblin social media as well. Now, next episode is going to be coming out on... March 24th on Friday, and it's going to be all about the game Fate Accelerated with another podcast, actually, uh, called Nat One Nerds. Now, I'm super, super excited about this, and I really hope that you're excited as well, since Fate is a very, very interesting system, and I learned a lot from talking about Fate Accelerated. So, see you next time. Huge thank you to all of the Patreon supporters and Kyle Adderson for being our $20 patron who gets their name shouted out at the end. Thank you!